Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll start the eighth parak in Masachas Ksubis, which means we're at the top of Daf Ein Ches Amar Aleph. Okay, so up until now, we've been talking about recently different aspects of Ksubis, Andrew and Barry, right? There are all types of things in the marriage contract. Uh, we had some very interesting stories about the personality and physical defects and different things uh, with regards to the marital contract. But now we're going back into the finances, okay? So an area where kosher money Andrew Singer is comfortable with. Now these finances have, uh, just for, to, for reviewing purposes, We'll talk about Nixay Melog and Nixay Tzon Barzel for the umpteenth time. And the way you remember which one is which is the way I remember is the following logical way. Tzon Barzel, well, forget about Tzon. Barzel means iron. So iron is like ironclad. And ironclad means that it stays the same. And staying the same means that the wife is bringing in an asset into the marriage and she's going to, uh, upon termination, uh, she's going to expect when the time comes to get back the same exact amount. Okay. Now, during the time that they're married, she don't care what goes on with that tone barzel. Aha. That's how you know that that really actually belongs to who? That really belongs to the husband. Right? In other words, you're getting this allowance. I don't care what you do with it. You keep all the proceeds, right? What if he appreciates or depreciates don't matter, right? So the fact that he gets to keep everything uh, that, that may appreciate from it is your hint that it's his, right? That's considered the husband's, right? As opposed to nixay melug, so that she brings in, and if it appreciates or depreciates, she gets the appreciation or depreciation back. That's your tip-off that it's considered hers, right? And we already had some very interesting nafkaminas and sugyas. One of the nafkaminas would be like, say, for example, by the way, anything can be appropriate as one or the other. In other words, you can't just look at the hefza, right? You can't look at the item and say, oh, that's son barzel, that's malug. It's not like one is more than the other. So, for example, this is not going to be very politically correct, I'm, uh, uh, I'm warning you, but if you have slaves. So those are considered your property, Right? So slaves can be Nixay Malug or Nixay Tzom Barzel, depending how they're designated as such. And we already said, what if, right, he's a Kohen and she's, a ba- and she's not a Bas Kohen, right? She's, she's an Israelite. So it would, ma- it would make a difference. If the slave was designated as a Nixay Tzom Barzel, so then once they entered the marriage, so he, so that slave would be able to eat truma, right? Because he becomes property of the Kohen husband, right? Uh, as opposed to if he's considered the wife's, so that until they're all under one roof, he cannot eat truma yet. So fascinating nafkamin is they're in. Now, um, it's just your luck that in this parak Ha'isha Shanaflu, we're talking about Nixay Malug. Why? Because Nixay Malug are a little bit more complicated. Because even though they technically belong to the wife, the husband is allowed to eat the proceeds, the, pr- the payros. Okay, well, now we have a little bit of a joint ownership because one of the other nafkaminas, one of the other things, a litmus test of whether it's hers or not is, can she sell it? So she is not allowed to sell the nixlet on barzel because they're not hers, they're considered his. But the nixlet malug, they're technically hers. Well, now we have an issue because the nixlet malug are technically hers, but he can eat the payros. So... The Mishnah is going to be discussing uh, the following cases. She 
has assets. Now, how did she get the assets? Let's assume she inherited them. I'm not talking about a working woman, I'm talking about a woman who inherited assets, right, as an inheritance. So they fell to her. So her inheritance could fall to her at any time. So let's do the easy cases. And we have to explain this outside because otherwise, right, we get lost in the weeds over here with the Mishnah. Once you understand what we're talking about, it's much easier. So let's say she's a single girl and she gets all the assets, right, and they fall to her before she gets married. So then when they get into the marriage, right, those, were, those would be considered more, uh, more hers. So that's, that's fine. And so, so then when they, when they become... So, so then there's also multiple stages, as we've already discussed many times, of the marriage, Erisin and Nisuin. So therein lie the variables, okay? When did she get the inheritance? So if, so if you go according to the stages, she's first single, then she has Erisin, which is when she's Nicknes, right? The husband technically acquires her, so to speak. And then they have Nisuin when they're living together and they have the joint bank account and all of that. So the further along they are in their relationship, once they have Nisuin, right, and they're already husband and wife living together, so if she gets the assets then, so it's almost like they are the husband's assets uh, already, right? This is not something that was brought in to the marital contract that was her assets that came in. This is something that, this is something that were kind of considered their joint assets. As we will see, a fascinating thing in the Mishnah, Chazal were not so proud of themselves. They literally say we are ashamed of ourselves for this. But they will say that if the husband and wife are already living and she had the assets, even though it's nichseim malug, they were somehow designated as such, right, in whatever contract there were, even though they're nichseim malug and therefore they're technically the wife's, if she were to sell said assets, right, to, right, to, to somebody else, the husband would therefore technically supposed to take those proceeds and then only be able to eat the the payers of those proceeds, but Chazal allowed him to just go to the Lekuchas and say, sorry, man, I, I know my wife sold you this land, but I'm going to take that back. He can actually take the land back, even though technically he's not supposed to. It was too unwieldy. For whatever reason, Chazal said, let the husband get the land back from Lekuchos, because technically when, and again, it has to do with when it fell to her. When the inheritance came to them, they were already a married couple, Right. Uh, the contrast would be if she came into the marriage, right, and she already, prior to the heiress as a girl, right, let's say 19 years old, single girl, got the inheritance, so that, that's really considered hers, so then she could really sell it, right, uh, before, right, she could sell it before, and then that's the question, because there's really two things. When did the inheritance fall to her, and then when did she sell it? So let's say she's 19 years old. If she's 19 and she's single, anything that she sold prior to Arison, let's say, when she was still single, we're talking about assets that may have been designated as Nixon look for the future, but they really were hers. The husband is going in, even at Arison, he knows, right, that those belong to somebody else. So that for sure he wouldn't be able to go get. But now we're saying, and this is really all the variables we discussed in the Mishnah, when did the Nechassan fall uh, to her? Um, and then when did she inherit it, right? And then based on that, what happens if she had Arison before or after and all of these variables? So again, the extremes would be if they fell to her and she sold them before Arison when she's still single, that's certainly more than most hers. And if, right, they fell to her after Nisuin, 
right? If she inherited after Nisuin, so that's when it's the most his, because he's already like fully in the picture. But every variable in between, when they fall and she sells around Erisin, is really the topic of our Mishnah. And so with that introduction, we now can really understand this Mishnah dominates uh, most of Ayin Chesim Aleph, so let's dig in. Okay, four cases. Case number one. Right, so this is the single girl, and she gets the nichse right malug, and they designate it as such while she's single before she ever has any heirs and before the man is in the picture. So there, modin Right, so both bechamai v'shilel would agree in that case that it's really hers, which is to say she can sell said assets and she can give them as a gift, and that transfer is going to stand. As Rashi points out, interestingly, like all of these things will have uh, some machlokas rishonim, but we're going to try to steer uh, steer the boat in the simple Rashi way here. He adds on, even if she got engaged afterwards, because he's anticipating what we're going to say later. In other words, obviously, even if she got engaged afterwards, um, right, and then she gets engaged, right? So obviously, once she already enters the marriage, her history with these assets um, is not going to necessarily have to be undone. She's able to acquire and thus and there and then afterwards sell and give away those properties. This is before the man is ever in the picture. Okay, so that's case number one. Simple case. Case number two. Novelo Mishinis Arsa. Right. So now she's already had Arison, right? But she's not yet had any suing. Okay. So now they're engaged, Barry, and she's inheriting the properties. So Beishamai Omrim Timkor, Ubeisil Omrim Lo Timkor. So now there's a machlokas whether she really is allowed lechatchila to sell it, whether they're encouraging her to tell that she can sell it. Now here Rashi is careful to tell us. Obviously, but I'll read it inside the top over here. But Oda Arusa. This is all within that stage. God bless you. Between when she's already in Arusa but not yet in Nesua, right? Right? Because, again, Rashi's anticipating what's going to happen if she actually has Nisuin. That might be a different situation, right? But in that intermediate stage, when she's already had Arisin, right, but not yet had Nisuin, they have a machlokas whether she could sell those assets. However, as the Mishnah continues to explain, they both agree that in principle, that if, that, in other words, the machlokas is whether she should sell in the first place. This is all midar right? But Chazal said that if she sold it, she certainly would be able to, because again, apparently, right? And now you're learning a little bit about the nature of the financial relationship between the husband and the wife, vis-a-vis Nis Erisin relative to Nisuin. And Barry I, you ha- have to admit that you already know a little bit about this because don't forget, the Ksuba has all of the, what? Tanaim of Nisuin, right? The Ksuba is all about Mizono Seha, right? He has to support her and, that, and, and then he has the reciprocal responsibility of her burial and her, right? And so he's responsible for Sherek's Ona and, and the burial and, and there's reciprocity of all of these Pidyon Shvuim. Right, and all of these are obligations that he has to her, and all of the acquisitions that he gets from her. All of those things are what? They're Tanaim of Nisuin, 
right? That's once they get married, as, as written in the Ksuba. Erison shouldn't be anything. So, me, Iker Hadin, as we say, fundamentally, in principle, she actually uh, owns it, even though she's already had Erison. The only question is, once you're already designated, you had Erison, you're going to have Basil saying, please don't sell this. You know, we know where this is going. And you're already designated to him, and therefore you should not, uh, you should not sell it uh, according to Basil. Fine. Now, Amr of Yehuda, now they're going to question. Amr Chachamim of Nebuchadnezzar Gamliel. The Chachamim asked Rebbe Gamliel, Hoyl v'zacha b'isha, lo yiske b'nechasim? So they're arguing now on behalf of Beit Shammai, in a sense, which is interesting. We'll see in this already in the Gemara. This is where it gets a little thorny. But again, don't forget, Beit Shammai is saying that you could sell them, and Basil is saying in the second case that you shouldn't sell them. Okay, now why shouldn't you sell them? Well, on behalf of Beis Hillel, right, the Chacham say to Rabban Gamliel, right, that the following argument. What do we say happens at Erison? At Erison, we have Hisha Nikneis. The husband is Koine her, right? She is his Arusa, and that's technically his Kenyan, so to speak, right? And therefore, if he actually has acquired her, so then acquiring her, that's the big fish, right? That's the big get. So if he's acquiring her, is he not by definition also acquiring her nechassim, right, her assets? And if so, shouldn't everybody agree that, that you should not be able to sell it like Beis Hillel? So the consequence would be that if she can't sell it, that the husband, right, it's technically his, even if she sold it, maybe he should be able to go and get it from the lakuchos, from, from the people that she sold it to. So Amalahem, so this is what they asked him. So Gamliel replied, and there is issues here, like who sided with Beis Hillel, who sided with Beis Shammai. We know that we always pass like Beis Hillel, but let's just go with the logic of the case first here. So Amr Lahem, so Gamliel said, Al-Hadashim Anu Boshim. See, I wasn't lying. I wasn't kidding. This is what I mean. They were embarrassed. Busha, right? Uh, what Busha? What embarrassment? Meaning, we're already not proud of the fact uh, that we mentioned before that when after they already have Nisuin, the Baal, right, the husband could actually take for the kuchos if the inheritance comes down um, to her, if she inherits it after they're already had Nisuin, right? Because, again, the Nixay Malug is, te- is supposed to technically be hers, and these have been designated in Nixay Malug. The, and so Chazal's saying, isn't that amazing language? This idea that when assets fall to her once they already had the stage of Nisuin, that we actually will allow the husband to go back and retrieve it from, from the kuchos is a halacha that we instituted, as we'll see, but we're not proud of it. So that already we're not proud of. right? So once we're already uh, telling you, right, that we're taking them out in Nisuin, that's all, as far as we're willing to go. You're going to make us you're already embarrassed about that. You're going to make us go and allow the husband to take the lakuchos after only the stage of Erison? That's what it means. In other words, and we're going to say this phrase a few times now. So, you're going to impose that, uh, that, which, that which we essentially, like our hands were tied. There was a reason why they said, once they already have this joint bank account and they're nisuin, that we're going to let the husband 
undo that sale, even though technically it's supposed to be Nixon Malug. But we're not going to go as far as to say that, well, it's just an Arison that we're going to give him that, that right. So in other words, it's, a, it's an interesting argument, right? Because the Chachamim the said to, to Ram Gamliel, uh, an interesting fundamental argument. They didn't end up arguing really about the fundamentally the same thing, right? In other words, the Chachamim said to Ram Gamliel a logical thing. He already owns her, technically, because he made a Kenyan, and therefore he should be able to go get the Lekuchos. And Rabbi Gamliel's answer didn't really address that issue. It more said, like, it didn't say, well, why doesn't, why can't he go get the Lekuchos? He didn't really answer that. He just said that even, but the way he answered the question was by saying that even in Nisuin, it's Nechsei Melug, and therefore it's fundamentally hers. So you're going to ask me about Erison? Okay, that's how he uh, responded to the Chachamim. So anyway, that's case two. So now we have case three. Naflu la mishanises. So there, that's the other extreme case, right? She inherits it after she became a Nesu already. So then, So this is that, right, most extreme case where nothing in terms of the assets inheritance happens until they're already husband and wife living together in Nesuin. And that's the, that din that they were, of which they were embarrassed, which is that we, since he owns the produce, we don't limit him, right, to, to, to that. We don't say, oh, you know, sell off, um, the, take the proceeds of her sale of the Nechsim Lug and then use only the prayers from that. But we rather have a special dispensation where if she inherited after the Ordi Anasun, he can go and actually acquire it for himself and go get it from the Lakuchos, the original field. So that everybody agreed. Okay, Elu Elu Modim. So so far we have an agreement when everything happened after the Ordi Anasun, that it's that it's essentially treated like it's his. We have an agreement that when she inherited it before when she was single, it's hers. And the machlokas about whether we recommend that she sell it is when she inherits it. Right after Nisuin, uh, after Arison, rather, but before Nisuin. Now, right, but that was the just now we're going to do case four. So, just to remind you, case two is where she inherited right after becoming an Arusa and she's still an Arusa. So, now it's case four. Case four is as follows So, the difference is like this in the second case. Everything's happening while she's still engaged, right? The inheritance falls to her while she's in Arusa, and then she sells it while she's still in the Arusa stage. In case four, what happens is, which means she inherits it before Nisun, which is to say, while she's, let's say, in, a, uh, in Arusa, or maybe even before. So the inheritance falls to her when she's either single or in Arusa, but certainly before Nisun. And then she gets married. She does the Arison and the Nisuin. Okay. So then Rabbi Gamliel Omer, Imachar Vanasna Kayan. That, if she sold or gave them away then, then it's Kayan, which is to say that the husband can't go. Well, that, that Mechira, uh, works and the husband shouldn't be able to go get from the Lakuchos. So that's interesting. So here we see that even though she sold it while she was already in Nisuin, it's different than if she inherited while she was in Nisuin. You see that? If she inherited while they were already in Nisuin, so then the husband could go after her and get it. It's as if it's almost his. But here she brought it into the Nisuin. She had already inherited and then, right, but before, because of the fact that she inherited beforehand, it's considered more to be hers. So that 
is going to be questioned. Amar Chanina ben Akavya, Amar Lefanai, Amar Lefnei Rabbi Gamliel. We ask Rabbi Gamliel, Hol v'zacha be'isha, the same question, right? Before it was Rabbi Yehuda who asked it, now it's Rabbi Chanina ben Akavya who asks it. They said the same question, Hol v'zacha be'isha, lo yiske ben achasim. So here, he was zoche be'isha. Again, right? Because of course, she, this is, this time not by Arison, but by Nesuin. So shouldn't he also gain the nechasim? So Amar Lahem, so Rabbi answered, Ala chadashim anuboshim, Ela shatem agaglin aleinu hayashanim. So the same argument that he said before, he's saying now. In other words, the case where she inherits it and sells it after Nisuin, even there, they didn't like the fact that they were lying with a husband to, to, to go after the Lukuchos. So in case two, where she sold it during Arison, we're certainly not going to let the husband go after the Nisuin, the, 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 uh, right, Lakuchos, the assets. And even in case four, where she sold it after Nisuin, because of the fact that she inherited prior to Nisuin, it's also a sort of Kalvachomer, that we are not going to make the husband allowed to go and go after the assets. To which the Mishnah concludes, Well, he, he makes a difference between two different types of nechassim as follows. Nechassim ha'yidun l'ba'al lo'tim kar. Right? That if there's nechassim, which the Gemara will describe what they are, nechassim that are known to the husband, those nechassim she can't sell. So apparently the husband has it in mind already. Once he knows that she has received those assets, she cannot no longer sell them. It's considered joint, owned by them. The machar batel, and she can't in fact even give them away. If she sells them or give them away, that, tra- that transaction is voided. However, you're doing the Baal, if it's something that the husband is not aware of, low Timko, that she cannot sell. And therefore, however, if she sells it because it's not you're doing the Baal, I guess he does not have, right, that uh, kind of like awareness that he would void the sale. If, he, if she goes and sells it, it is Kayim. So either way, right, the, we're not encouraging her to sell off stuff. Right, for once she's already married, the Baal is going to want it back. But if he's not aware of it, what he doesn't know won't hurt him. And therefore, if she sells it, it's going to be kind. So very interesting, the interplay here between the Baal's das and the Baal's awareness and what she can do with these assets that are technically kind of jointly owned, where she owns the principal and he owns the produce. So fascinating stuff, Barry. All right. You can see why they love learning this Masechta in Yeshiva. Okay. So now we're at the Gemara, and the Gemara says, Maishna Reisha de lo pligi, Maishna Seifa de pligi. How about, what's the difference between the first case in the Mishnah, right, where she, where she inherited as a single girl, and Beit Shammai and Hillel agree, right, de lo pligi, they agree, right, that it's hers. And the later case, when she inherited after, after Arison, right, when they disagree. In other words, what does Arison do? There's no joint account yet. So now we're asking, what's the difference between case one and case two? Why does it matter? What, what does Arison matter in terms of whether, right, whether Beis Hillel, the only difference is that Beis Hillel is going to discourage. It's going to say that it's a real sale. But why, after Arison, is Beis Hillel discouraging the sale? So Amri the Beber Yanai, Amri the Beber Yanai, Reisha Beschuso Naflu, Seva Beschuso Naflu. Well, in case number one, it was totally b'schusa. It's under her jurisdiction. She's a single 19-year-old girl. There is no man in the picture. So of course it's hers. However, in the latter case, 
Bishuso Naflu. In other words, Rashi says, Bishuso, he kind of already owns her. That's that's what he's saying. Right? Kvar Zacha Ba Uvin Chaseha. Even at Arison, right? He was Zocha, right? He already designated her, and therefore her and her stuff, right, he kind of already kind of owns her. Okay? And therefore, at that point, we're going to discourage a sale. Now, the truth is, she does, she, there's no new suing. She, she doesn't, it's not really a joint bank account yet, but it's already at the stage where the, we're, we're going to acknowledge that she shouldn't be going around and selling this stuff because she's already, right, anticipating that they're going to be having a joint bank account and be married. So the Gemara asks then, if Okay, so Basil has a very unusual shita, and that has to be discussed. Don't forget, Basil says that he can sell it, but both Beishamai and Basil, right, agree that what? Right, in other words, Beishamai says he can sell it. Basil discourages her in the second case from selling it, and yet he agrees with Beishamai that if she does do so, that it's Kayim. So if, in fact, so the Gemara asks, which is it, Basil? You're saying that the sale is valid, but you don't want her to sell it, right? You're discouraging her from selling it. So you'll say, okay, you're discouraging her from selling it because she technically belongs to him. Well, if she technically belongs to the husband, um, so then why are you saying that the sale is valid? So the Gemara says, no. Okay, so it has to be that in the first case, she got the, what, assets while she was under her own jurisdiction. That's true. Because she was single. However, Seifa, in the case of Erison, Amar Beschusa, Amar Beschuso. It's kind of both. You could say that it's under his jurisdiction or under hers. So the Gemara is literally acknowledging the dichotomy here, the sort of ambiguity, I, sh- I could call it, that in, on some hand she's into Erison, so she is attached to this dude. On the other hand, financially, there's no Nisun yet. And so she's still considered like a hybrid, like financially independent, but already kind of attached. And therefore, lechatchila lo timkor, and that's the inspiration for Beis Hillel Shita. Lechatchila, she shouldn't sell it. However, if she goes ahead and sells it, that sale will in fact be valid. Good. And that is the underpinnings of the ambiguity within Beis Hillel Shita. So now we're, the second line's up from the bottom. Amr Yehuda, Amr Lefnei Rav Gamliel. This fascinating argument. Ibailu, Rav Yehuda, alechatchila, Oh, Adi, Adi Eved. What is he referring to? Right? In other words, he's saying this conversation with Gamliel, right? They had, they had this question. They said, should we be able to take it or not? So, right, they said, well, we begrudgingly allow the husband to take, to go get Lakuchos and retrieve the assets in a case where all of these, uh, inheritance fell to her after they're already had Nisuin. We begrudgingly allow him. You're gonna, you're gonna let him do it during Arison? So Buda wants to know. Well, does, does that mean that, is he referring to Basilo? Is he saying that the sale is only going to be able to be allowed after the fact? Or is he saying, like, right, in other words, that's, that's the rub with Basil, right? Basil says he shouldn't do it, but he can do it, right? In other words, he, and that, that's exactly the language in the mission, right? Basil Omrim Lo Timkar. However, if she does sell it, it's Kayim. So which one of those aspects of the halacha were they talking about when we're talking about the next clause of 
the conversation between Chachamim in front of Rebbe Gamliel. In other words, are they talking about bottom line, what the halacha is, or are they talking about what the recommended practice is, the lechatchila or the bedieved? Okay, because again, because Erison is a hybrid, we're not sure which part we're embarrassed about. Are we embarrassed about the fact that we shouldn't allow it lechatchila, or are we talking about the fundamental bedieved? So as we turn to Chesam and Beis, we answer as follows: Tashma, the Tanya. Well, let's look at this Bryce. Amar Bihuda, Amar Lefnei Rabban Gamliel. This is sounds so far exactly like our Mishnah. Hoel v'zu ishto v'zu ishto. Aha. Now we're getting a little bit more explicit with the argument. What's the argument? That since zu ishto v'zu ishto, which means since she is considered his wife already by Arison, which is to say, just like she's his wife when they've already had the full nisuin, so too she's considered his wife. That's zu ishto v'zu ishto. So too she's considered his full wife even at the state of Arison. So since that's the case, zu michra batel. Wow. It's just like in the case of Nisuin, we are going to allow the, Nisu, the husband to go and retrieve the assets if all of this happened, as we discussed, right, in the most extreme case, case number three, where they've already had the Nisuin. And therefore, in that extreme case, we're going to allow the husband to go and retrieve those assets. So, so too, we should treat it heirs in the same. That was what the Chachamim we're saying in front of Rabbi Gamliel. So Barry asks you, does this sound like they're talking about fundamentally, like even B'di'evet, or is it talking about the recommendation of Beis Hillel? So I'll tell you that I think it sounds like it's fundamental, right? Because what they're saying is we should treat Arison like Nisuin. Well, in Nisuin, we literally allow the husband to go and retrieve the Lekuchos, Right? we actually have it affect the bottom line, Allah of the sale. Don't forget, right? Basil has two aspects to his, to his shita. He's talking about a lechatchilo, don't, don't go ahead, uh, right? Lechatchilo, don't go ahead and sell it. But he says, but if you do sell it, it's yours. So that's, so here we see in the Brisa that they're suggesting that it, Arusa should be treated exactly like an Asua. Well, that, that affects the actual fundamental sale, right? So, zu micher batal af zu micher batal. So, Amar lahen, it is to that, the Ram Gamliel said, ala chadashim aniboshim el shatem yigaglim aleinu seishanim. So, that's where he said to them, you know, we're not proud of it, but we're allowing the husband to literally go and undo the sale if the assets fell after Nisuin. And now you're going to make us do it at, at Erison? Shmamina di evid kamar. And the Gemara agrees with me, right? That that sounds like they're talking about they're even going to allow the husband to do what? To go retrieve the assets, even if they fell after Arison, not just after Nisuin, which is to say that they're talking about this issue, right? What was at stake here? What the actual bottom line halacha is going to be after Arison. And the in, initial hava, I mean, the intention was that maybe we should treat Arison and Nisuin exactly the same. And it is to that that, the, that they said, right, the Ramayal said that we're not comfortable even doing it at Nisuin, and therefore, we're not going to go ahead and do it on Arison. So says the Gemara, Shmamina. They agree that that's the implication in the Brisa, and therefore, that was what the conversation was about. The conversation was about what's going to be the halacha uh, at the end of the day. Are we really going... They, they just basically pressed, pressed them, and they said, oh, if you're going to allow the husband, right, to go and retrieve the assets after Nisuin, maybe you should allow it after Arison, because after all, Arison and Nisuin 
are essentially maybe should be treated the same way? And the answer is they shouldn't be treated the same way. And by the way, we're not even proud that we allow it to do it at Nisuin. So just leave Arison alone. And even though we're still going to go with Vesalel, and even though we're going to say that we don't, that, that, um, Right, that even though we're going to say that we don't recommend that she sell it, if she saw, if she were to sell it after Arison and before Nisuin, the sale would be valid. Fine. So now we're five lines down on Chesam base, and we have the continuation of that price. Tanya, Amram Chanina Bar Nakavya. So we said Lo Kachishivan Ram Gamliel Chachamim Al Kachishivan. Chanina member also quoted that conversation, but he quoted it differently. So that's why we're saying that. Now that we're saying it explicitly, we say it like this. Rabbi Gamliel answered as follows to the Chachab. He said, Lo, imamartim bin Nesua, right? Even though we could say, by Nesua, shekein ba'al azakam tiyosim ma'asai de'av afaras nedareha. So this is going back to what we said before. In other words, like this. Uh, all right. I almost pulled the wool over your eyes. We just said that, oh, just like he's kona her in, in Nesuan, she's considered hit. Schuso. So to Arison, she's already considered a schuso. Why would Arison and Suin be different at all? So the answer should have been, are you kidding me? <laughs> why, why would Arison and Suin be different? Nisuin is a stage that is fundamentally financially different. Because after all, in Nisuin, her husband is, that's where he gets the credit for anything that she finds. And that's when he, they have the joint bank account, whatever work she does goes into his account. And that's when he could be made for Hanadarm. So all of those things are indications that there's a fundamental different financial relationship once they have Nisuin. So what is even the Hava Amina? I'm going to say to the Chachamim that Nisuin and Arison should have, should, should be the same at all. Those are two very different stages. And specifically with regards to the financial obligations, they're very different stages. So that's what he, remember, going to answer to the Chachamim. Right, Tomer about Rusa she'ain balazakai lovem tiyasa love masayadev love afaras nederia. In other words, this is not an issue of like, oh, the Nisuin and the Arison should have the same halacha, but we're embarrassed enough that we're doing it by Nisuin, and therefore we should we we're not going to go that cross that far by by Arison. On the contrary, Nisuin and Arison are halachically very different, specifically with respect to assets, because after all. When it comes to Narusa, her husband is not Zakai, not in her Mitziah, and not in her earnings, and not in her Nadarim. So therefore, there never should have been a thought that they should be similar. So Amrulos, that's what the Chacham said to him, Rebbe, you answered us very well for the case where she sold it before becoming an Asu when she was single, um, and, and even after she was in Narusa. However, that is why we mentioned this of Hanani ben Akavia in the second case. And now we're fleshing out. It sounded in the Mishnah like Rabbi Yudah and Hanani ben Akavia were quoting the same conversation. But that was a different conversation between the Rabbi Gamaliel and the Chachamim. Because the second time the conversation was, okay, we get it. We get it, Rabbi. There's a difference between Arison and Nisuin. But what if the assets fall to her prior to Nisuin, but she sells it after Nisuin? That's case four. What would be that case? What would be the case then? So Amr says to that, he said to them, Right? Even such a woman, even after Nisun, can sell it. And it's Kayim, which is to say, it matters when she inherited it. Not when she sold it. If she inherited it before Nisun, that money is hers. So Amr So that, they said, 
And it is at that point that they doubled down on the same question, but now it's a different question, right? They, it sounds like the same question, but it's, it's, it's really a more developed question because now we're saying like this, she inherited the assets, okay, prior to the Nisuin. Now, when he had the Nisuin, isn't he also Zoha in the assets? Does he not? All, in other words, now that we know that there's a fundamental difference between Eris and Nisuin, we could still ask that now that Nisun has actually taken place, there should be financial ownership that he has. And if that's the case, shouldn't he, shouldn't she no longer be able to sell off those assets once they've had Nisun? To which, right? So he said the same words, but here he's talking about a different case with the same implications at the end, which is to say that we are already not proud of the fact that we're allowing him to go get the husband to go get the lakuchos when she, the assets fell to her after Nisuin and she sold them off after Nisuin. That's already not something that we're so super comfy with. So you're going to say that when the assets fell to her before Nisuin, we're, we're going to allow her to go get it? That's also, uh, that's also something that, uh, that we're furthermore not going to let her do. Because don't forget, if the assets fall to her, when they've already had Nisuin, they're like falling into their joint bank account, right? They're, in, they're intertwined. So she already doesn't even have her own bank account for those assets to fall into. And still, we're not proud of the fact that, we're, that if she sells it off, because after all, fundamentally, they were designated as Nechzeimelug, which are technically hers. So we're not so happy about the fact, right, we had a conundrum. And so we said, okay, you know what, for the sake of, of simplicity, we're going to say that the husband is going to be able to take it from the kuchos. But we're not crazy about that. So all the more so, if the assets fell to her when she still had her own bank account, we're not going to allow the husband to go collect from, from the kuchos. Says the Gemara, now we have a little bit of a contradiction, however. Because, um, The Mishnah said that if she inherited before the Nisun, and then after Nisun is when she sold it off, yeah, Rabbi Gamliel said that the sale actually is valid and we don't let the, right, the husband go get the lakuchas. And yet the Brisa seems to say that Rabbi Gamliel is going to allow them, allow the woman, Lechatchila, to sell those properties. And maybe she shouldn't be able to sell those properties in the first place, right, after Nisuin. To which the Gemara answers, Amar of Zvid, Yes, we have to amend the Mishnah in order to read like the Brisa. And the Mishnah should say that she can sell or give them away, and it's Kayim. Tosfos here has to say, uh, Tosfos doesn't like this, right? When we say, are we amending the Brisa or are we amending the Mishnah? This is very highly unusual, says Tosfos. We're going to amend the Mishnah to fit the Brisa? We've been saying since we started Masechus Brachos that the Mishnayas are much more uh, thoroughly edited, and we're always amending Brisas in order to fit the Mishnah. So that is a conversation over here. Uh, that, that is a discussion that Tosfos has over here. Be that as it may, right, according to Rashi, you're amending the Mishnah, and why we would be able to do that would be an interesting discussion indeed. But the alternative answer would be that of Rav Papa. Rav Papa says, Lo kasha. Ha Rabbi Yehuda, Liba the Gamliel. Right? Uh, the Mishnah is Rabbi Yehuda, like Rav Gamliel. Ha Rabbi Hanina, Ben Kavya, Liba the Gamliel. Whereas the Brisa is the view of Rabbi Hanina ben Akavia, uh, according to Rabbi Gamliel. So the case of uh, Rabbi Huda or Rabbi Gamliel is a conversation about the Bidi Eved. And the case of Rabbi Hanina ben Akavia is, is the Sheet of Rabbi Gamliel, right, about the Lechatchila. 
So, in fact, that would stand to reason because you might recall in the Mishnah, we, Rabbi Huda quoted Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Chanina ben Kabir quoted Rabbi Gamliel. Now, according to Rabbi Papa, those conversations, those two quotations, even though they sounded identical, they were actually, actually the first was talking to Bidiyeva, the second talking to Chachila. And so now we understand the whole story as to why we're quoting two Mandamers quoting Rabbi Gamliel because they really understood the conversation differently. So that's a fascinating uh, response of Rabbi Papa. Be that as it may, the Gemara asks, Rabbi Chanina ben Kabir Kavit Shamai. What then happens is, if Rav Chanina ben Akavya is talking about Lechatchila, and that it's Lechatchila that we don't, uh, right, Lechatchila, that we say that it also works, right, it is, uh, we, we, we have him, um, we say that she can, right, that it belongs to her, and uh, that rather like this, Beit Hillel, don't forget, had this distinction between Lechatchila and Bidiyeva. He said Lechatchila, she should not sell it. So now we're going to say that she can't sell it. Well, the question is, how can Rabbi Hanina side with Beit Shammai, who's saying that even Lechatchila, she can't sell it, right? In other words, Beit Hillel said Lechatchila, she shouldn't. But if she does, it works. That was case number two. Beit Shammai says even Lechatchila, she could sell it. How can, right, Rabbi Galil side with Beit Shammai? So says the Gemara, Achikamar, Lo nechliku Beit Shammai Beit Hillel al davar zeh. That's what Rabbi Hanina would say. There really was not a machlokas Beit Shammai Beit Hillel on that point. Which is amazing, right? That's why he's not quoted in this Bidiyavit case. In, in case number two, it's the Sheet of Rabbi Huda, because Rabbi Chanim and Kavya himself, right, in that Mishnah would say that Basil and Bechamai, they both agreed that whether she's in Arusa or in Nasua, she can, Lechatchila, initially sell, right, those assets which, as long as she acquired them before Nisuin. And therefore, that is a true reflection of his shita. He holds that they don't, aren't cholek. And that's why we're not worried about the fact that he has a discrepancy over here, because he really doesn't have a discrepancy. According to him, they agree. And that's why uh, he doesn't fall out, like, as if he's holding like Beit Shammai, which would be problematic, because we know that we pass him like Beit Hillel. Okay? So now let's see what the halacha is on some of these as follows. Right? It doesn't matter when the assets fell to her, if it, it fell to her as a single girl before Arison or after Arison, right? And then, and then, as long as they fell to her before Nisuin, and then she subsequently, Nisais, got, uh, had Nisuin, In fact, halakhically, they say, as long, it doesn't matter when the assets fell to her, Barry, it matters when she sold it. She cannot sell the assets halachically after Nisun. If she does so, the Baal can go collect from the Lakuchos. So the Gemara asks, wait a minute, come on, the Lokar Rebbe of Lokar Wow. We, you know, we had the conversation from Gabriel and the Chachamim was saying, we're already embarrassed that we're allowing her to go to Nisun in the case where the Nechazim fell to her, assets fell to her after Nisun. But if this is the case where the Nechazim fell to her before Nisun, and we're still allowing him to go, to go retrieve it for the assets from the Lakuchos. So that's not, that's not like either of them. Says the Gemara, Inu Yeah, because Rabbi Shmuel held like the Chachamim. The Chachamim said the following in the Bryce Tanya. Sure enough, Chachamim went back and they um, voted on this and they decided. Um, Andrew, that which they were, so to speak, busha, right? That which they were embarrassed of, they went and they doubled down. And when they reconsidered the din, they gave the husband more authority. And they said that whether the assets fall to her before she has Arison, or whether they fall to her after Arison, Venises, as long as she's already in the suin, habal moitzi, miyara lekuchos. Sure enough, the Baal could go and get it from the lekuchos. Fine. 
So now, 16 lines up, Mishanis is Elav Elu Modim. But what they all agree on is if she inherited the assets after the Nisuin, everybody's going to agree, right? The husband can get them from the Kuchos. So the Gemara says, Lema Tanina la Takanas Usha. Wait a minute. Is this a takan, one of the Takanas Ushas? So the Amar Biosi Rab Khanina, but Usha Hitzkinu, Haisha Shemachim Nixam Elog Bechaye Bala, who Mesa Bal Maitimiyad al Kuchos. They said, oh. I think I know what you're talking about when they said, and they came back and voted on this. That must have been that the Kanasusha. Because after all, Yosemite Khanina quoted, um, reported that, when, that we said in Usha, one of the, right, many Takanas we made there, that if a woman sells the Nixay Maluk while her husband's still alive, the, the husband can actually, right, and then when she dies, the husband can take those Nixay Maluk from the Lakuchos. The Gemara answers, Masisim Bechayel, Ulopeiros, Takanasusha, Begufushal, Kakar, Velachar, Misa. This is not Takanasusha at all. Because don't forget, Takana Susha was when, when after she died. So our mission is talking about while they're still alive, can the husband go back and get, right, the land in order so he can have the produce from the original land. Now, Takana Susha had nothing to do with that. Takana Susha had to do with whether he can get back the actual land itself and it had to do with Achar Misa. So can he retrieve the produce, right, during her lifetime or can he go and get the actual land, Achar Misa? Those are two different Takanas. So, Nice try, but that was a different enactment, right? Takana Susha had to do with Akharmisa, and this had to do with, uh, with during life. So it's 604, and so we are 10 lines up from the bottom, the two dots from the bottom, Ein Chesam and Bezat Hashem. We'll resume there tomorrow.